This is about you. The infinite you. The part of you that can't be seen, can't be smelled, touched, or tasted. But you know you feel it. Who you really are. In a world lost to confusion, a universe that's partly illusion, when we look for meaning, we often simply find more delusion. Ground your consciousness in the sounds of the universe, a podcast about your true omnipotence. There's a universe inside each of us, but our beliefs keep us constrained to the edges of what we can imagine. The Innerverse Podcast is your portal to that infinite realm of ideas. I'm Chance Garden, and I'll be your host as we serve up inspirational sound waves from the brightest minds with the highest vibes. And we keep searching for the empowering perspectives we need to create our greatest masterpiece of all, our lives. Welcome to the one within all, to the innerverse, your podcast portal to positive perspectives. I'm your host, Chance, and I'm here to magnify the magic in your life and attune you to the infinite energy of your ineffable source, all access through the imagination. Whether or not you think you're an artist, your life is the greatest masterpiece in the universe, and the truth is, you're always getting exactly what you say you want, because your power of choice can change the course of all creation. Here today to tell us about the potency of positive thinking and the medicine of making art is the masterful maestro known as Keith Gladys. This warrior of the Wu Wei has an impressive original catalog of music and mixed media art, a fiery yang energy that's passionate about serving and healing humanity, and a personal life story riddled with challenges that could leave even the slyest shaman in shambles. We will definitely go into his story more deeply in the show, but to sum it up, Keith was struck by a severe case of Lyme disease that left him on death's doorstep, seemingly an impossible distance from ever creating music or art again. And yet by following synchronicity, cultivating self-love and summoning an incredibly intense will to not just live, but to thrive, Keith has found himself back in the full spectrum saddle of life with a vast array of knowledge to share about what it really means to heal and balance the body and the mind. So before we jump in, I want to remind everyone to check the show notes for links to Keith's musical project, Diet Kong, and go groove on his newest album, Then Came Seven, named for the title track that I'll be playing at the end of the show. I'm super into it. Can't wait to show it to lots of people. I don't always listen to music that I can sing along to and really groove with the lyrics, but this is definitely one of those albums 
Also, don't forget, you can connect with Keith on Instagram at this is Diet Kong. And I'd love to see you show some love to this beautiful soul through the internets if you can. And I'll also let you know that you can access extended length two hour long interverse episodes by subscribing to us on Patreon. And if you dig the podcast, please consider doubling your fun and supporting me. I promise it's worth it. And you can trust me when I say that because I don't make you listen to random advertisements just to get a little cash like some shows do. Consider supporting the show with a little bit of energy because it takes a lot to make it. Now let's get mindful of our yin and yang balance by feeling inward to open up our mind-body connection. If you can pay attention to your breath and bring it into a strong but comfortable rhythm, you're doing all right. (laughs) You're doing all you really need to do in life. Things can be as simple as remembering the breath and allowing everything to be okay, because it's always what you make it. And speaking of interesting lives, let's welcome Keith Gladys back to the show. He's the infinitely insightful, indestructible innovator of personal evolution and an all-time Lyme disease fighting champion. And it's my honor to bring him on the show for his first visit. Keith, my man, welcome to the Interverse, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Chance. Thanks so much. You give me a little bit too much credit in the end, but, uh, you know, the fight continues always, but that's what it's about. You know, it's about standing up and continuing. So, um, and that I can certainly say I, I'm on that, that road forever. <laughs> in, in many ways we all are, but definitely not all of us chose to incarnate such a particularly baleful challenge into our life, especially while also aiming to be a creator, an innovator, an artist, musician. And uh, we'd like to start by just give us some more background on the profile of Lyme and, you know, your development of an artist and your experience recovering from that. How do those two paths interconnect? Yeah, well, that's, um, let's see. Well, I I believe I got Lyme disease in um, probably 2009, 2010, right when I moved up. We were living in the city, New York City. Decided to move upstate to the Catskill Mountains. I think I immediately got it. But it took a few years to manifest itself, so I had no idea. So just slowly, these symptoms came on, and, I, and being clueless about it, even where we live, which is a you know an area that's ripe with Lyme, um, it was sort of just coming into the realization of everybody the seriousness of the situation. So as that developed, I withdrew more and more from life. I was unable to handle anything. The anxiety that um, would manifest. I was unable to walk even. So it was, it's really, a, it can be a crippling situation. And the first thing I did for my healing just instinctively was to make collages. I was able to just, I think that's all I could handle was, was to have this little space that I could manage. And I could just say yes, no, as I made choices. And I also constructed that in a way where I could hang out with my family and watch a movie, maybe. I mean, it was that bad. I would be away. You know, I was in a room by myself for two years, basically. And that's an amazing experience, as as horrifying as it is as well, um, to spend that kind of time looking at yourself um, and seeing why you're there. I mean, that's and that's the path I chose to look at it. That was the only positive way to do it. You know, I don't even know if I was looking for that intentionally. Um, consciously, I must have been as well, but was to treat the situation that way. And I, I mentioned I wasn't able to walk. There are the um, salubial glands in your knees. And 
that's an area that the lion likes to attack and then they get super inflamed and you can't even bend your knees or walk. So that kind of <laughs> stopping you in your tracks has a, has a huge effect. And I was doing um, Qigong standing practice laws, one of my favorite things to just release tension and just ground and root. And I realized I was unable to do that. Now I couldn't even stand because of the, the lion. And my mind immediately went to, oh, good, I'm going to get really good at standing, right? I mean, it's sitting practice now, you know? So I, I saw that my mind immediately went to a positive. And that's really the way out. And it's um, no matter what the, this disease did to me, I, I believe it amplified ailments that were preexisting in a sense, that it attacks you at your weakest. So it becomes a psychological uh, pursue the healing, of course, right? Um, but the, the way in was through lab tests and Western medicine and trying to figure out antibiotics and that sort of thing. Um, and that just was the, like, the beginning. That was the, the leaping off point to investigate myself. And some of this is, of course, with hindsight now that I'm almost 10 years into this process and feeling much better. And, and dealing with it um, as best I can because it's a part of my life and always will be. There was a period I went through uh, when I was very angry at Lyme. <laughs> the, I went through the fuck Lyme thing until I realized that I was saying that to myself. <laughs> That's just directed to me. And that animosity is only stirring up uh, a deeper division with my chemistry or, you know, by essence, what's going on in me. So I began to have this talk with Lyme. You know, you, at first you, you hate ticks. And then you're like, well, no, ticks are actually infected by Lyme disease. And they don't even know they're transmitting it. And, and then you start looking at the, what is happening inside our bodies and what we actually are. And it's fascinating. And, and it shatters perception. And I think that I... I a thousand percent needed to be knocked out in my tracks because the programs that were in me from when I was a, a boy, some of them are still running out, you know, running now. And to catch that, in, you know, in, in sometimes we need to be knocked down. That's, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. I think just the, literally knocked down by the fact that you're bedridden in a sense for so long, but it's just a lot to think to take in and think about what it's really been like for you. The magnitude of that is incredible. And I think we're already kind of hinting around this and looking at things as being either divided or whole within and as to how you're able to like resist or, or handle these type of diseases, like perhaps a body in full functioning potency isn't really going to be Lyme would just have to like stay dormant in that body and they would never even know they had it. And it would, you just go on. I'm not sure, but can you talk about more about the, like what, what is Lyme disease like in our country today or like in the world today? How large of a presence does, do you, do you think it has? I know you've probably had to have done so much research on this topic. Yeah. Um, well now it's recognized in all 50 States and that's kind of new because the, People have been denying it in some places, or, or it just hasn't been, it's been underreported. 
Um, and now people are kind of, well, and the testing for it is so inaccurate. Um, the Western blot test is, is one of the good ones, and it's, uh, I believe, at about 30% accuracy. And let me just preface this right now. I'm no expert on Lyme disease. I need to say this because um, I'm just going from my experience. And it's really, my wife helped me through this, Jed, so much, um, where there was a certain point where she said, you know what, I'm taking over the research because there's it's scary, and I needed to keep myself in a positive place. Um, so she really helped me and it, and it helped our relationship so much because she was able to begin to understand what was going on in the breakdown inside, because for a pretty long time, I seemed functional, you know, like I, I seemed like I could, and people would see me, they're like, oh, you look good. And they would assume I was okay. Um, but it's really just being completely scrambled. Essentially what happens in the, with the chronic line, it seems, um, is that there is the that there's brain trauma that's caused by the disease. And that trauma leaves your immune system in permanent fight or flight. So this is the, the, the part that brings anxiety, that brings um, inflammation and pain. Uh, and it's just like a, being in a blown out anxiety attack for, well, it's not always like that, but the chronic pain is there all the time. Um, and situations that you feel threatened under because you're already living at a, a level that heightens all the time. So it could just be something somebody says the wrong way or that you take the wrong way, I should say. Um, you know, the littlest thing and then you could be set off and we'd have to retreat or freeze or fight or, you know, so living in that way for about eight years and that was probably five years of not even knowing that. So it's this thing that just kind of slowly creeps in, and I'm sure my denial allowed for it. Um, what I'm saying is I, I knew I had Lyme disease for a few years, and I was treating it, and I thought I was okay. And I didn't really know that you have to go completely in as soon as possible and root out the cause of, of the uh, um, division in yourself. And And I've been hearing, I mentioned this to you, that um, people are calling Lyme a spiritual disease. And I don't know if that's fair to like claim that as, you know, its own because it probably they all are. But in my experience with Lyme, it completely is because it wouldn't allow, um, healing or progress in healing without facing myself. And I mean that by just being <laughs> laying in bed. Um, like I said, for, for two years and just being there with myself. And yes, there was me um, being frustrated as, uh, you know, and being uh, despondent and um, trying to be entertained and not deal with the situation. But a lot of it was really dealing with it. And I would meditate. I had practices, Qigong, and I was fortunate to have um the right instruction to help me through this, which was amazing and life-saving, really, um, to learn how to quiet yourself so that the answers that the, the, the conscious mind is searching for but can't discover, um, that there is a way to let those things, to release those repressed things. Um, so the, it's really that treating the illness as an opportunity for change, 
and the you know we you know that the the only constant in life is is change. That's the expression, and it's so true. Yet the thing we all struggle with is change every time. From when my kids were two, they didn't want to turn three. You know, <laughs> right away we resist the moment changing all the time, and yet we know for sure that's the only thing that will happen. It's a strange. It's a strange trap to be caught in and I think that that's where the denial comes in and where illness can come from as well it is not looking at that for sure this is why I called you the Wu Wei warrior yeah in the intro. <laughs> wow that's a break and as you're speaking about this I'm just thinking about Taoism big time and that definitely connects yeah. them to Qigong as far as those type of practices and I think this is going to be a talk that really focuses on those things. And I'm excited about that because they're a big part of my personal path, although not held at gunpoint the way you've been <laughs> to, yeah. to get on it. Uh, I'm curious though, when you say about, you know, if all things are changed, but then you're trying to find the thing within that's stuck and not a, allowing the healing to occur. It's almost like the th- fear of certain things changing that you don't want to change is actually what creates the splinter inside of you that's hurting you that you can't allow to right, pop yeah, out. <laughs> exactly. And then, then at a certain point, it just becomes easier to, like in all relationships, we do with ourselves, like, ah, I'll be with that later. <laughs> you know? And then at some point, you, you become divorced from yourself by telling yourself the inaccuracies or the little white lies so that you appear the way you want to in yourself. And then you that's how we operate. So when... When that fall fell apart for me, that's ter- it's terrifying. Um, but equally, it just trips me out, man. You just got me thinking about it. Like, just to interject with one thing, like everybody, imagine, you know, how much anxiety that has happened in your life just from how you want to look to other people yeah. in the world. I mean, I, this is something for me. Like, I want to seem, I want to seem like I've got my right, shit together. Right. I want to seem cool. <laughs> I want to seem nice. I want to seem loving. But what happens when you get to the point where you can't look at yourself that way? Like, you're, you're afraid. You're afraid of what right. you look like to yourself, not afraid right. of what you look like to sure. others. Like, that's the the deep level of why you even have all those feelings, and it's just profound. It man. really is, and then and it, it, I took it that way, you know, and and that's. That's the angle. And it's so funny for me to say, you know, positivity is the way because I'm, I got to be honest, I'm super negative. And that's why I got as ill as I did. And I'm coming at, you know, I, I have the innate positivity with the stories that I I shared with you. Um, But I also let my mind go to the negative, you know, so I have a habit of that. So it's that mindfulness again, like, I know that's the, the word used so much that I don't know if it has meaning anymore, but it's the right word. <laughs> it's you always think you've got it all together until the one thing triggers you. Like this is something without going in depth, like just this month I had an experience where I, I felt a way that I hadn't felt since I was a little kid, not in a good way. <laughs> something that I totally forgot. Like something that I was cognizant about having experienced as a kid, but I never reconnected to like, well, what did it really feel like for to be that, uh, to have that as a kid? You know, just not anything heavy duty, just your standard parental abandonment. Not like my parents were terrible, but every kid in America seems to be 
you know, dislocated from their parents more than they should be. And there's going to be times of a feeling of abandonment. So I had repressed what that actually felt like inside myself until I had a certain trigger experience that brought that feeling up. And then it's all of a sudden I was like a five-year-old again in the way I was behaving and in my self-talk, like it was crazy. It was crazy. And <laughs> so that's what, it, you know, getting knocked down. Sometimes that's helpful though, because then I was able to actually ex- see where that lived in me for real, instead of just kind of like, yeah. Oh yeah. I'm aware of that, but I'll deal with it later. As you said. Yeah. And you know, you were asking about the collages and, and what I realized as I was making these things, as I couldn't, put words together. I mean, I had a really hard time um, thinking of words and and just really completing thoughts. Um, but I was able to make these shapes on the page. And it was super, in, I was like insistent that I wasn't making art. Like I needed it to be not even that idea in there, you know, and I, and it's sort of silly, but it was super important at the time. Like, no, I'm not making art. I'm, I'm just, moving these shapes around, you know, that, that the intent was purely just to not even be in the way of what it was with an idea. And so that's the best way to put that, I think. And, and I still look at those that way. I don't know. I mean, that some of them are definitely art in the sense of um, with form and composition. I, I think that some of them pull that off, but other, other pieces I really enjoy for them being how I'm sounding right now as I struggle to get these ideas across and I still can feel symptoms through them. It's that chortle choked when you turn on the sink in the basement and it's trying to get out and it's before it finally comes through. And, and that's what I see in those collages. I see the, the repression from me and this, this darkness coming out. And some people like, yo, don't show me that. (laughs) You know, those, insect alien whatever that stuff is that i don't want to see that other people really enjoy it it makes me think of something i tried uh last weekend have you ever heard of jepe it's like a tobacco snuff no. type of deal well it's applied with a device called a curape which is a little blow gun and they blast it straight into oh, your nostril yeah, yeah 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 so Whenever you're talking about the metaphor of like the clogged sink, <laughs> this stuff, yeah, it just this this experience you're talking about of just like the chortled feeling or stuffed up feeling. Whenever you do this jepe, uh, it literally takes the inside of your nostrils to the point where there's no breathing through that nostril. Not even a molecule of air is passing through, and you can still breathe through your mouth, wow. but it just for a moment you feel like panic like panic for sure like it, uh, uh, it, but then you just stop and breathe through your mouth and you're okay and then after you let it sit there for a second and you start to like kind of blow it out the amount of mucus that comes out of your head is from like Whoa. the back of your brain level of mucus it's not just yeah. the mucus that was like close <laughs> up to your nostrils it's like everything comes out you're blowing your nose for a minute but it's just sometimes you got to just like go through that blockage the hard way. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and that's what, that's the perfect metaphor because that's what this is all about for me is the situations that were repressed or that I pushed away or any of that kind of psychological stuff um, needs to be gone through. And then when you're in a compromised situation with a disease like that, that amplifies that feeling, it just makes it more imperative and more difficult to do it. So 
coming, like I feel, you know, connecting with you in this way is amazing for my healing too, of just reconnecting after this experience and being able to make an album and after not thinking I could, and now I'm planning live shows and, um, which is fantastic after being away for, for a bunch of years. So it is all about that. And, you know, I, I seem to bring up this idea of the epiphany because it's funny to me. It's like, it happens all the time. You'll say something to your friend and then you'll repeat it. And then finally they'll say it to you like it's their idea. And you're like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but it's because of the epiphany. It, it, the concept hasn't really hit touched them yet, you know? Um, well, it's all about planting seeds, right? That's what it is that you do whenever you just speak your truth, speak the truth. And even meeting people on their level with the targeted info not just trying to like make them conform to the highest level of truth. They're not ready for like, yo, that thing you call God, we're it. <laughs> they might not be ready, right, but you right, can right, right. give them some well, kind of easy yeah. practice, like Qigong standing practice. This is, you were talking about yeah. that and how it's easy enough that you were to some degree able to do that even while in a lot of pain and Qigong, like I said, has been a big part of my path. I want to talk about more, what that has meant to you. Is it something you were doing before Lyme? Do you recommend any way of learning it? How did you learn it? Like, I want to seriously right. focus on this as a solution because it's one that costs yeah. You money. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it gives you the tools for your health. And that's what's lacking from the Western medicine. I think anyone would agree to that. Like, <laughs> they're, they're there for just trying to force a solution at when it's already um, the damage has been done. So what we, what we want is our tools to keep us healthy and to um, keep us alive longer so we can practice more stuff and understand more. So, but yeah, I didn't know what Qigong was. Um, I, we were living in the Catskills and um, yeah, we moved up from Brooklyn and we got a place and had horses and llamas and we went totally off the end that way. Um, until we realized that we have to take care of all that stuff. And that's a full-time job too. So we did that for a few years, but I fell off of a horse and I injured my neck. And I thought that all the problems coming were that I was beginning to experience were, were, was from that fall. It turns out that it wasn't really. Um, and that Lyme disease, you know, one of the places that it really holds is at that spot at the base of the neck. Um, and I couldn't turn my neck at all and this and that. And I went to a chiropractor, you know, I started Western all the way. Um, and they were cranking my neck around and doing all that stuff. And then I went to an osteopath who was the greatest. Um, he really, really helped me and spent time with me and wrote me prescriptions when other doctors wouldn't. And, um, but just actually listened to me and helped me like a, a doctor that, uh, I'd spend a half hour with, which is unheard of pretty much. Right. Um, so anyway, he recommended, he said, well, I said to him, you know, what about Tai Chi? Would that be, I, I just had only heard of Tai Chi and, um, had done yoga before that, um, on and off. I was kind of familiar with yoga. Um, but I, so I went to a Tai Chi class and then the teacher said, Oh, well, you know, I think you should start with Qigong. That's the right, you know, that's the beginning. And I didn't even know what Qigong was. So, um, it was, I, I, so I had Lyme, but I didn't really know it yet. Um, so yes, I guess I already, I began when I had Lyme. Yeah. And that realization of, 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 
uh, being able to hold certain postures in the body and just being able to relax your muscles so that your skeletal frame is what's holding you up and not your attention. What that does for you and your understanding of yourself is, is uh, I don't know if I could put that into words. It's beautiful because there are blissful moments of it and it changes all the time. And it's not something that I would say that, that the blissful moment is a, a nice side effect, but certainly not the point. The point is to, to be with yourself, right? And, and, and to hold these positions to see what they feel like and to be present as you're doing that. And, and that's the hard thing that I feel even now, I remind, even now, all the time, I remind myself, you know, there's no good or bad practice. If, if that's even in the process of the thinking, I'm not meditating or I'm not practicing at all. It's being aware of where, where you are and how you are and what's going on around you as you're doing. And that, that's what it is. And I tend to uh, break out my big words and philosophize and start talking about what this all is. And, and meditation when it really is sitting and being quiet. And that's, you can explain that to a kid or anybody. And that's, it, that's what it is. We're just listening to ourselves breathe, feeling what's happening inside the body. And with the movement practices, mm. the movement practices, we've got the stillness in motion thing going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then learning um, how the body functions, how, you go down to go up and how that lyrical quality or that there's one arm, you know, that the movement of one is really, it's really one thing that's moving. that in the West we reach with our arms, <laughs> we go to grab things, but to learn to use the body um, from the root, from the ground and to move from the fifth lumbar, which I'm incorporating the painting to be able to paint, Brush way, like, you know, it's a Chinese and Japanese technique for um, calligraphy. But for for a, a distinct end, which is to synchronize the body, and that's what, well, not just the body, but to synchronize the body and the mind and the emotions to the heart. And that's what that practice is really about. And it does it with you just being willing to um, be conscious of yourself as you're moving. So in your experiences, what um, what sort of Qigong have you been doing? I learned from a really amazing website, an instructor, I think, in New Zealand. The website's longwhitecloudqigong.com, which I'll totally link in the show notes. I've mentioned it definitely more than once in the past, but maybe not for a while. But there are courses you can learn there and you'll gain really easily over like eight or 12 weeks a solid fundamental grasp on if you do the first class, these 12 motions, it begins with breath work. Of course, everything starts with the diaphragmatic breath because that's what actually gets you into feeling the root, breathing into the lower belly, expanding it, that breath up into the upper body and then exhaling with a pinching closed of the pelvic floor and, you know, squeezing in your, your belly as you exhale just breathing like that alone does so much for the body. And then you f- incorporate that as the fundamental foundation, then layer in these 12 motions that the guy teaches that are designed to stimulate and invigorate and energize and remove blockages yeah. and clear blockages from 12 major meridians throughout the body. 
actually have the book that he put out that describes the 12 motions. He calls them the 12 health motions or 12 health movements. Uh It's really cool because if you do the whole circuit, even if you only do each thing once or twice, you'll feel really grounded and brought into your body. One of the things that is most incredible to me is that stillness in motion concept because, and the fact that even doing the same things for years, the same movements, there's more movements you can learn than those 12. I've learned more from the website, but just starting with those 12, doing those for years, I still will occasionally in the midst of my practice, unlock a new level of inner sensitivity to the way my energy is moving through my body or like even without a coach or somebody, an instructor after learning how it's supposed to be and then just practicing it and practicing it, you become your own instructor. You'll, you'll eventually sense and feel where you can actually align more in the pose. Qigong actually means like the same thing as when you're kneading bread and getting it all worked and uh, supple so that it will rise when it, <laughs> that's actually in Chinese mm-hmm. Qigong means something equivalent to that, but to the body, you're like working the dough and the flesh of the body until it's malleable. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I never heard that definition. I always heard it translated as breath work, but, uh, or, you know, but that's, that's a cool, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, or like Kung Fu is the Yang and the Tai Chi is the Yin. And Qigong is the breath, yeah. the balance point between the two. The three work as a system. And the other thing that's really important to realize if you're someone that's never tried this type of energy practices is that I know you've seen some ninja breaking a cinder block with his forehead on TV or something. Well, how the heck did he do that when if you smashed your head into that thing, you could possibly die for sure. <laughs> like it's because there's chi, like your chi, your life force energy, your vital energy is a real thing. It's a very, very real thing. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't real. And that's how people break really hard stuff with the bones in their body, even though their bones are made of the same stuff as your bones. I think the people who are really good at qigong don't break bricks on their heads. <laughs> no, they do, no, they don't. But just the fact that those kung fu guys can break stuff, I know, it just tells you that there's something yeah, going no, on. Yeah, they have, you know, they they can condition their body to get iron shirt, where you do certain techniques with herbal treatments, and you beat certain parts of your body over the course of a year. You, you focus on certain parts of the body for months at a time. And the, the whole period is a year, and then after that, you're supposed to be like steel. You know, that's the uh, those are the stories. You know, that's the mythology, but it's fascinating. The the real immortal Taoist wizards are off in the mountains jumping around and you never actually see them. <laughs> I did meet one though. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. He's not an immortal, but Quan Tai Hung was a uh, uh, Washan mountain. He's one of the last uh, Taoist monks and he lives in upstate New York in Woodstock. So I got to hang out with him a couple of times. It was amazing. It's huge. It's, you know, I'll put it this way. When you read about what the Taoist temples were doing throughout history in China, you're like, yeah, right. They're up there on the mountaintops and they're jumping, you know, all the stories of the magic and, and the treacherous conditions up there. But you go on YouTube, you can look up uh, drone footage of Washam Mountain and they'll fly it over and you'll see how those people are living up there. And it's like mind blowing to put it in reality to see the, you know, the switchback steps going up this thing. And um, Juan said as a boy, when he was there, 
they would put him on a, um, a little swing and hang him out over the edge of the cliff and swing him out to pick herbs from the, that were, you know, growing out of the side of the mountain. So like that, the fact that that was real and within our lifetime, well, you know, that our lives overlap, I should say. We just had a mild technical difficulty kind of dropping off and disconnecting, but what we were talking about was just how incredible the human capacity to withstand hot or cold or any polarizing elements in the reality, how incredible that capacity really is. And that some individuals and tribes and villages are doing things so far beyond what the average American would imagine is possible for their body that they would probably shit their pants if they saw it. <laughs> what little kids do even. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just reading about one of those expeditions that was traveling across Tibet in the 20s and 30s, you know, that time. And one of them was an account of, um, I forget what the term is, but it's a leaper or a runner, but would basically be moonwalking, not Michael Jackson moonwalking, but being able to take huge leaps and bounds, you know, through the air uh, because of their training. And there was a whole training in Japan and China for this type of uh, uh, distance runner. Uh, it was a spiritual practice. So, yeah, that's magic to us, you know? Like, but when you have a tradition that they claim, Taoism goes back 8,000 years, but we know it goes back at least several thousand um, and the thing about Taoism that's so attractive to me too is there's no dogma. There's no here are the rules. This is the, here are the you know the restrictions. It's a, it's a, a compilation. The Taoist classics are a compilation of all of these practitioners' ideas that they're sharing, not just ideas, their experiences. More importantly, um, and that's the refreshing. Well, I'm like yeah, right. So if you if you reach a certain level and you have something to share, it's included in that um, you know uh, collection of everybody's experience. So it's it's amazing. I, I that worldview hit me. I mean, I was raised Roman Catholic, and so I have um, a very particular experience with that, um, as many Catholic people do, um, and. I went through a period when I was 13 where I wanted to become a priest. I thought I was going to become a priest. To then by 14, 15, realizing, oh, what if this is all fake? And, um, and going through an existential crisis at that time, um, that's wrestling with that is still in me, just with, with um, the culture that I was born into and its expression of spirituality and its degradation to where it's at today. Um, but when I was 16, I was given the Tao Te Ching. And that, as soon as I read that, and it's telling me in its opening words that it's not going to be able to tell me anything, <laughs> um, in, the, in its words, it won't, you know. But yet, through mistranslations over time, and its essence still penetrates. It's amazing. Um, but that book changed me. Um, and opened me to Eastern ideas, which eventually, more recently, from being ill, brought me back to Christian ideas and Gnosticism, and which is really pre-Christian, but includes that stuff as well. Um, and realizing that the human struggle is essentially the same for everybody, and the expression.
expression of the of these ideas are going to look sort of different culturally, but they're really not. There is an essential. Um, I mean, the popular way they used to say that was what, what's the Algiers Huxley one, uh, the perennial philosophy. That was the 20th century way of talking about that kind of thing, right? And and the transcendentalists were big on that in the 18th century. You know, with Emerson and Thoreau bringing in the Hindu texts and the Buddhist texts and beginning to see this thread of um, truth, or of course they didn't see it, but um, revealing it to more to America more, you know. And that's continued as as the potency of the East declines. Because if you look at China, that stuff is gone. It's not it's not like you can go to China and learn Qigong over there um, the way it used to be. I mean, post when Mao took over, he eradicated stuff you know, intentionally and thoroughly. Um, and Quan said, you know, he's like, for thousands of years, China warded off invaders, and then we were destroyed from within by, by Mao. Wiped out the medicine, wiped out um, the martial arts, who might wiped out the practices, uh, all that stuff. And and today we have what well, we have as fractured people. We have a fractured remnant of that, you know, traditional Chinese medicine. Awesome, but it's not not what we were doing. <laughs> it's really not because uh, you know I went to uh, an herbalist, a Chinese herbalist who was from Vietnam. Um, and he has an amazing story too. But after he saw me about the line, he would go back and um, put hit the herbs together for me to be drinking for that month. You know, I would be taking daily um, uh, tea, medicinal tea. But he would just be meditating and putting energy into it. He'd be gone for a half an hour. I, he would be gone longer in preparation for my medicine than I spoke with him. Um, and if you know, or with cupping, there's energy work that goes into it too. And I think with acupuncture, a lot of that stuff that we're doing and learning the the, the material part of it, we haven't learned as, uh, not everybody, of course, but until it's really coming from the intent of the person, which would really reverse our whole worldview as Western people, right? Wait, as a, as an explorer, your, your input matters? Like, yes, it does. That's the whole point, Intent matters incredibly, you know, and 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 that gets back to the simplicity of the epiphany that I was trying to remember, which is, yeah, duh, be positive, not negative, you know, and these things, really simple ideas like that hit you when you really feel the 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 occasion of it, you know, like the um, the gravity of that, and like I said, the simplicity. If you could just say yes or no, change occurs. But that's not where the problem is. <laughs> you know, the problem is in being stuck. The problem is in our own inner shit where we want to hold ourselves in tension. We want to keep ourselves exactly where we are because somehow that fear and doubt and um, at least unpleasantness that, of, that we're dealing with in ourselves is somehow more attractive than the potential for change is weird uh, and I, I think that seems to be the human condition and I'll say condition yeah the human condition just think about the word tension and intention when you're having a tense situation with an external person or situation or something you're afraid of externally happening to you 
the tension Whoa. between you and that object is literally drawing it to you. Just like if you had a rope and you were putting tension on it, they would, it would pull it to you. But if you set, right. um, set your intentions, it works completely differently. You pull what you chose towards you instead of what you feared towards you. And it is pretty, right. pretty much just, just like, like reeling really, in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you were mentioning the, the, uh, but, Oh, it's still cocoon reeling. Do you know that one? It's a, a no. of reeling energy to the body. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's so cool about it. It's a, living, it's a living tradition where wherever you learn Qigong from, wherever you learn from has like a different family lineage and system that they're passing to you. And they have reasons for why it's the way yeah. it is. And that's part of the intentions being baked in too. It's not like a one size fits all dogma at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's why speaking with Quan, who lived this other life, he's ninety seven now, and he looks like maybe he's in his sixties. You know, I'd say up close, it's a little more evident. But his energy and his mind, I saw him speak at a um, gave a lecture just on art and practices, which is um, really interesting. And of course, that's you know, uh, he was trained in that way, where he was given a set of twelve um, images by his master. Um, and over the course of his life, he just drew those 12 images over and over and over and over. And there's direct transmission in those things, in these images, from master to student, to then, you know, master to student, master to student, all the way down. Um, and when you can trace those lines, even practice over them, it connects that, connects you in that way, energetically. <laughs> like a visual it. mantra because like mantra does the same thing with yeah, sound I, I don't know how to verbalize that but yeah so it's sort of like a mudra and visual mantra because you're moving your hand and uh you're moving your from your spine as well so you're uh so it's like tai chi chuan and, and all of those things in terms of your movement um but for the purpose of a transmission from masters from down you know previous uh, time can what it does is it's a quantum effect it's a quantum effect because these guys are just like whenever you speak a mantra you're connecting to the energy of everyone that was ever speaking that mantra past present and future but if you're doing that with specific images that are coming from like a lineage of masters it's basically like when computers pool their computing power across a network to solve problems in real time more quickly and whatever the moment yeah. is, whoever's the current person inheriting and transmitting the knowledge, they're the one that's pulling all the processing power from all these previous masters. And it yeah. just gets yeah. wild, man. Well, and that's what the expediency of finding a teacher, like that's what that's about because yes, we can teach ourselves and we do, and we are our own teachers. But I know from my teacher um, that I can name countless times where he saved me from dead ends, <laughs> you know, like, because he was like, well, try, you know, think about this or, or, or do it this way, or that's off a little bit there. And those little adjustments can save time. And that's, you know, that sort of relationship. I think that's what that's for is to, um, yeah, because it becomes more than that. Anyway, it becomes about, uh, as the practices we do are supposed to, um, transfer into our lives and, and, and change the quality of our lives. I think that relationship with a, a, a mentor or a teacher or a friend that you practice with, all those things becomes transformative that way too. You know, you learn about life through that. So, um, 
we have to allow others to be masters if we want to be masters and we can't really expect to be a master of everything at once. Right. I'm curious. Okay. This is something while we're still in this section of the show, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about the herbal side of your recovery, because if possible, anything take home with you type of information (laughs) that we could get into specifically, I was curious about the Lyme protocols that you mentioned to me and the resources that you found there. Yes. The reason I'm a good guinea pig is that I started with um, antibiotics for, I did them for a year and a half. Okay, so that really tore me out. But at the same time, maybe a year, let's see. Yes, I overlapped them for about six months. So I started taking this herbal protocol. So I was on both of these, the, the Western and the herbal at the same time. Um, which I knew was going to be an interesting experiment, at least to see um, what was working. A few months into taking both of those together, I suddenly felt a lot better. So I was like, oh, good. Something's working now. This is great. I guess the herbs are helping, and and maybe it's all coming together. I got to the point where I was doubtful of the antibiotics for quite some time at this point, because I was just, here's what happens when you're, when they say you have Lyme disease and through, a, through a, a, a test that's hardly accurate, then they say you can get a six-week course of antibiotics and that's it. You're done after that. So it's super questionable if antibiotics are helpful in this situation at all. So I'm not recommending that. I wouldn't recommend really anything. I just um, really want to share the the experience that I had and like I was saying before, like with conversations with friends, mentors and all that stuff, if somebody can help expedite the situation, <laughs> save somebody from pain and time and trauma and, and money, saving money from, you know, um, different treatments and stuff. That's what I feel I'd like to be here for. So if, if I can be helpful in that way, I'd feel great about that. Yeah. Where were we there? Oh, I'm, I'm wondering more about the, where you found the resources for the herbal protocols and, and what those resources might yeah, be like. Okay. And I left off with uh, being on both. Yeah. So uh, then my wife, Jen, came across uh, a book um, by Stephen Buner, who is an herbalist in New Mexico. And he's written a bunch of books and he's, he's uh, treated thousands, thousands of people with Lyme for decades. So he's, he was leading, is leading the charge. Um, and he gave a protocol that was for me because I was I was at the far end of, of need. <laughs> um, I was taking a hundred pills a day and um, many powder tinctures, and um, it was pretty intense that way. I I had the pill container, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday one. You know, you keep your pills for the day of the week. And for one day, I filled the entire box. So that, I could take pills real easy now. It's pretty <laughs> second nature. Um, and when you start taking that, some of that stuff was like gaoting and Chinese stuff, like uh, Chinese licorice and herbs that, um, it tastes very funky at first. And then very quickly, the body craves it. And it starts tasting delicious, <laughs> you know, whenever I would uh, drink some of that stuff. And I was uh, taking collagen powder and all sorts of things just to try to bring the stuff. 
So Buner's approach is Eastern, it Native American as well, but it's the, the concept is is to bring the the body to health, um, to unity and wholeness before it tries to deal with the disease at all. Um, and that's sort of similar. This in the Chinese approach, they say, what is it? You can't fight your mind in the disease at the same time. <laughs> so it's like clarifying part of the problem before the the real issue can be addressed. So basically what the herbs were doing for me were, were just bringing my energy level back and um, getting rid of um, all the inflammation. I wouldn't say all of it, but it was helping me address that in a significant way. And um, I was on those herbs for like a year, I'd say. Yes, it was. And, you know, the tricky part about healing, I'm super, I'm so fortunate. Like, you, you said so many nice things about me at the top of this. And the uh, I'm doing my part in this for sure. But I'm in the most fortunate situation where I have enough money for these out-of-pocket treatments. Um, a, a wife who totally understands that is helping me through this, the safe saving, you know, as I'm doing my saving as well. And two kids that, um, two little children that I'm traveling with that are amazing. And my, my daughter, Emma, too, who just graduated college, who's awesome. And that stuff saves me, you know? Um, but it's not my, it's not, it's not just me. It's, it's a, that's the hard part, man, is, is realizing that the situation that I'm in has this effect on my reality. And my reality, meaning my direct family, my family, my, you know, my friends, my, my life. And that's kind of the awakening. I think that I could say this. I could say I face death and it's doable. Like that experience, at least the way I was speaking to death, who knows, I'm sure it could be horrifying. <laughs> you know, but it's not, this isn't a pat on the back. Um but yeah, like that process, that's what we're here to do. We're human beings. And like going through that, yes, it's painful. It sucks. And there's all that stuff that goes with it. But it's doable. It's what it's what's supposed to happen. So like going through that part of it was not fearful in that way. What was harder was getting better and then facing life again. Facing all the stuff that you are healing from and saying like, okay, cool. So you went through that traumatic experience. Get back to it. Like, how do you, how do I, how do I talk to a friend? How do I do that again? Like, that's literally where I was, where I could not, you know, and like I said to my family, there were times I could not talk or speak or I just, um, sound sensitivity was a huge thing. And I know people with chronic illness um, deal with that because it seems like there's a, uh, that brain trauma causes a disruption in the limbic system. And that has to do with your, partly with your uh, auditory perception. And so it's like when people have, uh, when they lose some hearing when they're older and they're in a restaurant, they can't distinguish sound from one particular place. It's just all coming at them. So that's the impairment that I have, or had, I should say, um, where the TV would be on, the kids would be at a certain frequency, and then there would be a dog barking, and I would just be like, whoa, <laughs> we would just triangulate and, you know, and uh, really bring me down, like, to the ground. Uh, that the sound would be horrifying. So it's just your perception is 
is um, amplified and, and corrupted. And 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 I, it sort of feels like if you've ever been on the gravitron, you know that machine, that ride at the fair that just spins and you stick to the wall on the inside and maybe. DJ in the middle of it, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, it always scares me, but they always get me to get on that one. I always ride it, but it's, and I'm like, okay, it's not so bad, but it's hard to get on and it. And then there were the kids, I know, but the kids flip and they ride it upside down. Those are the real Dude, yeah, some of those kids are totally but, uh, fearless. <laughs> but, but that feeling of that weightedness in your body as your arms are pressed against your chest as you're lying on the right, that's sort of what it feels like you know, being imploded and pulled inward. Um, so it's a it's a constantly distracting disease, and then on top of that, it becomes such a focal point, and and that's the part where, as I was thinking about this conversation, I was like, huh, this is really great for me because I haven't really spoken about this at length anywhere, and I want to do that with you. It's all, I love it, and and I want to let it go, you know that. Um, because it's been such a monumental part of my life and it needed to be, I needed to verbalize it. I needed to, I think it's also why I stayed away from some of my friends because I know how preoccupied I was with myself. <laughs> so it was just, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't make it not about the seriousness of what I was dealing with. And, and that, and that, um, that leads to further, what's the right word? I want to say guilt, but it's not guilt. Um, staring into the darkness to be, to be honest with myself and say like, well, this is where you are. <laughs> you know, you're in, you are in the situation. So, is it panic mode? Is it regret? Is it, you know, how many tears do you cry? And there were lots and lots. And that was some of the most clarifying it became so routine in a sense that I understood the function of the body and that it is its own emotional. <laughs> so it's really kind of fascinating stuff. Now, let me tell you that one part about the connection with weather and being isolated and having distorted perceptions in the ways that I was sharing, but then also having heightened um, perception that is just um, unspeakable. But enough for me to that validated so much that not so much that I was looking for, but it was certainly helpful in those times. <laughs> I, I welcome it whenever it's there. But I started to notice a pattern in uh, well, I was talking about the function of crying that um, when the barometric weather, you know, when the barometric pressure would change, so starting to rain or stopping or any of that fluctuation. Um, it would cause tremendous pressure in my body. And you know, people with arthritis have that kind of thing with weather already. But this was through the roof <laughs> to where all of a sudden I feel this tension come on and start to cry. And then I would know after I had experienced this thing enough to look out the window and then just see all a storm coming in at the same moment. And to realize that I am that rain. And I'm the cause. The, I'm raining for the same reason the rain is raining. Um, and I couldn't even be outside to feel it because it would make me that much worse. And there was one time where it was raining and I felt good enough to be out there. And I wrote this haiku about that experience. And yeah, closer to you, rain, than I thought possible. 
by tears, your storm I won. So connecting that thought and bringing art in that moment to having that uh, experience and to feel it in that experience and to be able to communicate that idea adding those things together is the healing in there because the part that I was lacking as I was sure I would be a hermit I mean we are living in the desert now in Joshua Tree but I'm still looking to connect I'm not, I don't want to be totally out there um, but I thought I did I thought I was off the hook when I fell apart from this I thought I didn't have to do the things anymore like write songs or try to be an artist and try to be you know the musician guy or I thought that I could let that go because I let go of the ego. I let go of the, um, the, the uh, let me drop that word ego. So I let go of the house of cards, this personality that I usually ordered and presented to the world, especially as a performer. It reminds me of the Gurdjieff quote you sent to me in an email. All this Ooh. whole topic, actually, that yeah. he says, you have to go through hell to talk to God. <laughs> yeah. That's an amazing quote. I think maybe it's a good time, actually, because we've passed the time that I was going to keep you towards. If we could talk about Diet Kong, where people can find your stuff, any other previous projects they might want to check out, like all the best ways that they can connect to the things that you create. And I'll make sure to definitely link it all as well. It's been super, super fascinating to dive deep with you, brother. This conversation has revealed to me, a lot of elements of uh, the hardship that many people face with their health that I've been so far not required to deal with myself. And it's very motivating to me to really take that initiative before things crumble and or before, you know, or so that whenever I do get the random, you know, knockdown from like, I'm not going to get bit by a lime tick or anything, but <laughs> when something happens of that magnitude, because it does happen to all of us, when the wounding occurs, I'll be the strongest possible version of self and flow through it with a, a lot of the old scars already healed up. That's my my intention. And I think a lot of us listening feel the same way. And we're grateful to be able to reflect on your journey with you, Keith, and hear just what's possible and how far you can come back from the brink, really, as you've put it. Yeah, well, thanks, Chance. I mean, it's awesome talking with you and really just reaching out to share the story with you and then having that happen now is part of the healing. So it's amazing. I'm glad that, that we were able to do it in the future. So, um, yeah, and if anyone wants to check out Diet Kong, I'd say uh, Instagram's a good spot. This is Diet Kong. Um, uh, or our YouTube channel, we have tons of videos up there. Um, that's just Diet Kong. And what else? Uh, the new album's on Spotify, so you can check that, that out. It's called Then Came Seven. Um, and let's see, just do, yeah, the, the good thing about the Instagram page too is I'm sharing a lot of my artwork as well, so the visual stuff. And um, it's a DIY project from the, from the jump, me and uh, FS, my partner. Um, and we do pretty much everything from writing, recording, mixing, mastering, that spread stuff on that end and uh, we do the visual stuff and videos and artwork and you know album covers and all that so we keep it very much um to us 
which I like, of course, to be able to complete the vision that way and to be like, no, this is what I intended to be. Because it, it, as, as driven as I am to be myself, I'm also susceptible to influence, you know? <laughs> so it's good to have people who are challenging you, even from within, to be like, no, I need it to be a certain way. Or who are really calling you on shit to be like, it's not there yet or whatever you know whatever honestly um but i'm really excited we'll be playing some shows coming up um in the, starting in the fall so um be in the new york city area in uh, november for sure and then some shows out here in california starting in september so um i'm so excited to be living in joshua tree this place is magic and uh um, it's an awesome community here. Then, you know, we just landed here and I hope to, uh, connect with a lot of people. Um, and let me just finish up by saying that, you know, part of what we're doing here, um, in Joshua Tree is a, a new venture that Jen and I have called Holy Human, which is incorporating, um, a lot of the principles that we use to heal and experience really more experiences, the stuff that I went through in my relationship with Jen. Um, you know, for, for sort of health coaching for people who are going through Lyme disease or chronic illness that um, we feel we can be of some help with that. So, um, especially with couples too, because that's sort of an un, mm, underserviced part of it, that uh, the disconnect between the person with Lyme and, and the rest of the world and particular people they work with. So we're also doing, um, you know, a, a product line stuff, um, so that I'm doing the design for as well. So that's going to be coming. Right now, we just have the um, Instagram page, which is the Holy Human. So Holy as in So yeah, Chance, you and I are into the language, which I like. <laughs> I want to explore that more with you. So, but yeah, that's the deal. So um, come check me out and say hi on Instagram. Um, that's probably the best place. But uh and Chance, thanks again. This is a wonderful opportunity. And really to, to, I really feel like I'm putting an exclamation on the end of a long journey. So, um, not only to pick it up again in another step, but thanks for helping me in this chapter. Absolutely, man. Let's stay connected because I'm sure there's a lot more to come. This is just the root that we've been working on. <laughs> there's a whole tree to grow yeah, and maintain. I'd love it, Chance. I love it. Well, thanks a lot, man. Much love. Everybody go check out Diet Kong. Watch the YouTube video for Then Came 7. And I'll see you on the other side of this song, which is called War of More.
my friends it's been a journey but here we are at the end of another show and this one was definitely a doozy i'm so appreciative of keith for actually he hit me up and offered to share his story with me personally and i couldn't resist asking him to make that part of the show's content because i think these personal experiences of trial and error and you know going into some of the darker parts of the reality experience spectrum these are super empowering, especially for the creator themselves, because they get to open up and become vulnerable, but in a safe space that's supported by love and compassion. But for all of us to see how these journeys mirror our own, and hopefully not a lot of us have to get so close of a mirroring of our journey that we experience Lyme disease. But in general, we're all going to experience some sort of health calamity or another in our life. And if we want to avoid things like the big cancer thingy, then it's probably a good idea to cultivate a holistic form of wellness and body awareness so that when things start to get out of whack, we notice. And that's been a big topic of the show for a long time is how mind-body connection and body awareness and actually listening to the intelligence in the body has a lot to do with generating intelligent creativity. So big thanks again to Keith for talking about how that journey looked for him and Actually, in the plus extension, we went deeper, just like we always do. I'll give you guys a brief rundown of some of the things we talked about in plus. Breaking the shackles of religion and releasing repressed darkness and healthy expressions. Looking at life through the Jungian lens. (laughs) Taking the long, dark stare at the mystery of self. Balancing between the big eye and the little eye. Conspiracies and the potential government origins of weaponized Lyme disease and what Keith thinks about that. Keith's adventures with the nomadic lifestyle and the origins and creative process of Diet Kong. And that last part encompasses a lot. So if you want to hear about some of the quirky things that Keith likes to do on stage and some of the meaning behind his costumes and his overall vibe, definitely get on the Plastic Extension and get inspired by this incredibly unique guy because there's a lot there. And even more there if you go follow him on YouTube and check out this new album, Then Came Seven. I will be playing that title track at the end of the show. I think it could not be more perfect and appropriate, not just for this conversation, but for the general interverse persona of this sort of quasi-mystical, but very grounded in our personal karma and dharma type of examination of the as above, so below nature of reality. And Keith is definitely a champion 
of that perspective and moving more and more towards being able to help others with that, it sounds like. I'm really excited to hear what comes out of his new company, Holistic Human or Holistically Human. I can't remember exactly what it was, sorry. But we'll make sure to link to everything Keith is doing in the show notes, as well as linking back to the Universe Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Universe, where you can get access to that second hour and also tap into probably around 70 episodes at this point that have a second hour extension. It's really cool of the guests to give their time to the Universe Tribe and actually extend that show by an extra hour. You know, they could say, no, I don't really want to do this extra content if it's not going out to everybody. And I would get that. But Keith, like anybody else, has been generous with his time and given us that extra bit of podcasting pleasure and wisdom. So take advantage of it. Don't just leave it hanging. If you love Interverse and you're not on Plus, you're only getting half of the show. And as much as it pains me, I do have to keep that paywall in place because otherwise, how am I ever going to get out of the pit of reliance on a nine to five job and, you know, spread these wings and fly? But seriously, the more support you give the show, the more I can unfurl and unfold the master plans I have to make this podcast even more potent and pertinent to your life situation in a way that brings you conversations that can balance and heal your mentality and perspective, hopefully. I know they do it for me, so there's got to be some of that translating through. So thanks to everyone who has been a subscriber, recent subscribers, and just also thanks to you free listeners. It's not like I don't love you. Of course I do, but I want the best for you. <laughs> and so I want you to check out the Plus Extensions. But before I let you go, I uh, just want to remind everyone don't go through these type of difficult life experiences that Keith talked about uh, alone. You know, there's always going to be someone there for you if you're there for yourself. So remember that you can get help, even if it means going to a Western doctor, but definitely get other perspectives and opinions. It sounds like Eastern medicine has a lot of legitimacy to it from everyone I've ever spoken to. And Keith is one of the brightest examples of that of all time. Get into a Qigong practice that's free, easy, and energizing, invigorating. You can find an awesome Qigong teaching course at longwhitecloudqigong.com. I'll just link that in the show notes too. Why not? It's one of my favorite uh, websites of all time because I learned Qigong from there for free. And the practices have transformed my mind-body awareness and opened me up to energetic potentials in myself that I never knew that I had. So don't sleep on that. If you don't know some Qigong poses, what are you waiting for? Take an easy eight to 12 week course there or look for a teacher in your area. That would probably be even better, but it might not be free. So, hey, you got all the information in the world at your fingertips. The uh, impetus is on you to make your intentions come true. Ah, a little bit of freestyle poetry for you there. But seriously, don't forget to subscribe to Diakong on YouTube or go check out the album on iTunes. If you do happen to get on iTunes while you're there, you might as well look up Interverse and leave us a five-star review for the show. That always helps. And if you also want to be super magically helpful, then also share the show with uh, friends in person. Tell them about it verbally. That's always highly effective. Or share on social media. I'd love to see that happen. Also, I am going to be getting a lot bigger presence over on Eureka.org. It's a website I've talked about in the past, but... I'm more gung-ho about it than ever after a recent interview with creator Yura Soul, which you guys will hear next week. Eureka is a very, very viable alternative to Facebook and the other mainstream controlled and censored social media outlets. 
And the best part about Eureka probably, or at least the best new part about it is that it's now integrated fully with steamit.com. And for the uninformed, Steemit is actually a social media Reddit style website that works on a blockchain. And just by participating in making comments and posting things on that website, you'll generate cryptocurrency and it's free money. So why not get paid for your posts and connect with people that actually care about your information as opposed to just throwing it out into the wind on somewhere like Facebook, where more than likely important keywords are being censored in the first place and you're not likely to expand people's consciousness unless they come looking for you there. And also the advertisers prey upon your content, turn it into money for themselves and you don't see a dime. And that content is even sold and packaged to other companies to get advertising data about you and intrude more into your life. So all those things are lame, but Eureka doesn't do any of that. I'd love to see you on eureka.org. Make a profile. Friend of me, my name's Interverse over there, probably, most likely. So yeah, I guess that's all I want to tell you about for now, other than to let you know that there's a lot of good shows coming. I've happily been keeping myself in a rhythm where I've got more shows in the shoot than just one at a time, which is exciting. It means I'm never like out of stuff to do. And hopefully we can keep these episodes flowing on a week to week basis until the next time I go out of town or something crazy happens. But if you want to make sure that it is weekly forever permanently, then subscribe on Patreon so that I can get more support for what I do and drop the other things that I don't care to do as much. And with that, I wish you all the greatest of days or nights or wherever this happens to find you in the time space continuum. Thank you so much for showing up for yourself and tuning into the knowledge about holistic healing shared by Keith and just tapping into that vibe of self-reliance and empowerment and awareness that all is self and that there's nothing external that can take anything away from you or even give anything to you because you're all of it. So where would you put it? It really is like that. And once you know, you know, and you can proceed in a fearless flow to whatever it is that you want to experience. So thanks everybody for tuning in and I'll talk to you guys next time. I love you all.